turbulent times call for clear-headed insight. That's hard to come by these days, especially on TV. That's where we come in. Salem News Channel has the greatest collection of conservative minds all in one place. People you know and trust, like Dennis Prager, Eric Metaxas, Charlie Kirk, and more. Unfiltered, unapologetic truth. Find what you're searching for at snc.tv and on Local Now Channel 525. Hello, and welcome to In the Word, a ministry of Calvary Chapel of Orlando. I'm your host, Nate Elliott, as we join Senior Pastor Will Ramirez in the book of Exodus. God was in the process of giving Moses the ceremonial law by which the Israelites would worship the one true God. It was to be done in decency and in order with all the rituals and sacrifices God laid out as a shadow of the heavenly temple. All of this, in various ways, would point to Jesus' service and sacrifice for us as high priest forever interceding on our behalf. God chose Aaron and his sons to be the priests of the nation and conduct the ceremonies. But before they could ever serve, they had to consecrate themselves. Here we join Pastor Will in Exodus chapter 29, verse 1. Now we come back to our study in Exodus, and in 29, remember Moses is up in the mountain for 40 days to receive instruction on how Israel can have a relationship with the Lord. We've seen God's instructions for the place that they will meet with God, the tabernacle and all the things that are inside of it, and we've seen the instructions for the means to come to him. They would have to come through the priesthood with all the garments and everything that he would have to prepare to go in for. So with all this in place now, in chapter 29, God explains how to prepare Aaron and his sons to serve in that function as the priests. In this elaborate ceremony, which actually doesn't take place until Leviticus chapter 8, we're learning what will happen though in Leviticus chapter 8 here, Moses is being instructed. We will see how Aaron and his sons are set apart from the rest of Israel to serve in this task, of this role as priests. And as we've already seen how the priestly garments point to Jesus, our great high priest, we will examine how their consecration points to him as well. So chapter 29, verse 1. And this is a thing that you shall do unto them, referring to Aaron and his sons, to hollow them, to minister unto me in the priest's office. Take one young bullock and two rams without blemish, and unleavened bread, and cakes unleavened, tempered with oil, and wafers unleavened, anointed with oil. Of wheat and flour shall you make them. And you shall put them into one basket. That doesn't mean the bull, the two rams. They wouldn't fit. That's the wheat. And bring them in the basket with the bullock and the two rams. So here we see we're going to, Moses received the instructions on the offerings to prepare the priests and consecrate them to serve the Lord. And we see here that there are both animal sacrifices and grain sacrifices that are brought. Now it mentions first off that they're going to do this. It says it's doing this to hallow them. That's where, if you're familiar with the famously known as the Lord's Prayer, hallowed be thy name, the idea means to be set aside or made holy. It means to set aside for use in the worship for God, and so worship of God. And so he says, this is how you're going to set these guys apart to worship unto me and to minister unto me, to serve me in the priest's office. So you might be thinking, well, I thought that's what all the garments are for. And I thought it's so that God would see them as righteous and God would see them in, in this you know, good light and with the, the turban that says holiness unto the Lord. You're right. But underneath the ma- there is the man who needs to be cleansed still. And so this was to prepare and anoint them to serve the Lord because our mess gets in the way of coming to God. 
So they would have three animal sacrifices, one young bull and two rams. We'll get to that later. And then this, um, this meal or grain sacrifice would be one of unleavened bread and then some cakes of unleavened tempered with oil or mixed with oil. So it would be the anointing oil that would only be used in the tabernacle. And then wafers, uh, unleavened, anointed with oil, smeared with oil. The reason they couldn't mix it is because the wafers are the, they're like the, the big, you know, have you ever seen an old uh, kind of film that depicts Jewish culture? If you see a good film about Jesus, you know, when he passes the bread around, we kind of think of, you know, like sub bread. They tear off a bit of the sub and turn it over. That's not the bread they use. They would make these kind of round, almost look like pizza pies, very flat. And that's the type of bread they would use. So you'd break a piece off and pass the Frisbee to the next guy and he'd break a piece off and, and it would go around the table that way. So this you couldn't mix it in. You'd smear it on the outside with oil. And you shall put them into one basket and bring them in the basket. So they come right there to the door of the tabernacle, verse 4. And Aaron and his sons you shall bring into the door of the tabernacle of the congregation. And you're going to give them a bath. They're going to wash them with water. I don't know if this is public. That would be a little humiliating. But, you know, uh, that's interesting because uh, when we look at our great high priest, he was humiliated before he rose from the dead unto glory, wasn't he? He didn't need to be washed like we do, but it was through his humiliation that we are washed. So pretty cool illustration there. You shall wash them with water. So they're going to take a bath at the front door of the tabernacle. The ram will be there. The or two rams and the bull will be there. And the basket full of the various bread kind of things that they made as well. And after they take the bath, verse 5, you shall take the garments and put upon Aaron the coat and the robe of the ephod and the ephod and the breastplate and gird him with the curious girdle of the ephod. And you shall put the miter upon his head and put the holy crown, the golden plaque that said holiness unto the Lord upon the turban, the miter. Aaron gets a bath, him and his sons. Then Aaron, all his garments are placed upon him. And then you shall take, verse seven, the anointing oil and pour it upon his head and anoint him. Now, I don't want to get too much into the symbolism of anointing oil because we're going to see a lot of that later on in the rest of the law. We anoint people with oil if they need healing because the Bible commands us to and we kind of smear their head with a little bit of oil. That's probably not how they did it in the Old Testament or even in the New Testament when they anointed somebody with oil. They probably took a bucket of oil and then dumped it on top of your head. And the idea was it would hit your head and then it would run down the rest of you. And the idea is it was covering you entirely. And so that's what they did to him. They give him a bath and then they dump him, you know, oil on top of him and it would drip down all over the garments and everything. It would cover it completely. Okay. And the idea again is that oil is symbolic of the Holy Spirit and, and some other things, but the idea is he's being consecrated to the Lord's service, set apart for his use completely. Pour it upon his head and anoint him. And then you shall bring his sons and put coats upon them. And you shall gird them with their girdles, Aaron and his sons. If you want to know more about all those pieces, we spent a couple weeks talking about that. So get the CD. Put the bonnets on them and the priest's office shall be theirs for a perpetual statute and you shall consecrate Aaron and his sons. So this is how they're going to be at the beginning of the consecration to be set apart, take a bath, put on the clothes, get anointed. And now we're going to move to the first offering. Verse 10. And you shall cause a bullock to be brought before the tabernacle of the congregation. And Aaron and his sons shall put their hands upon the head of the bullock. And you shall kill the bullock before the Lord by the door of the tabernacle of the congregation. So they would have this bull that was set aside after they did all the anointing. And then they would bring this bull next to 
Aaron and his sons and they would lay their hands upon the bull and then they would slit the bull's throat and kill the bull. And so it would be right out there for everybody to see out in front of the tabernacle. Now, remember, this isn't happening yet. This will be doing a redo of this when we get to Leviticus 8 where it will all actually happen. Moses is just receiving the instructions right now. And then we see what's going to happen after they kill the bull. Verse 12. And you shall take of the blood of the bull and put it upon the horns of the altar with your finger and pour all the blood beside the bottom of the altar. So they would collect the blood in a bowl and then they would go inside the tab. Moses would probably be the one to do this, go inside the tabernacle and he would come to the altar of sacrifice. So we haven't learned about the altar of incense yet. We'll get to that in a couple chapters. But the altar of sacrifice would be the thing that dominated the open area of the tabernacle. When you walked through that door, that was the thing you saw and you would have four horns on it. We studied that even further than a couple weeks ago. And they would take the blood and they would sprinkle it upon the horns of the altar and then they would take the rest of it and pour it around the base of the altar. What we see here is that this was for a sin offering. We'll see that in just a moment. Verse 13. And he shall take all the fat that covers the inwards and the caul that is above the liver and the two kidneys and the fat that is upon them and burn them upon the altar. But the flesh of the bullock, the skin and his skin and his dung shall you burn with fire outside in the camp. It is a sin offering. Now, I don't want to get too much into the individual offerings because we're going to spend Leviticus 1 through 7 examining those in detail. But the blood is sprinkled on the altar, then the good part, the fat. Growing up, one thing we ate a lot of was steak. I don't know how my parents afforded it, but we ate a lot of steak. My dad's got some Jewish in him, and so he likes the gristle. Now, that grossed the rest of us out, but he likes that. You have to realize, over in the Middle East, that's a delicacy. That's the best part. That's the part you want. God always gets the best part. So they would take the fatty parts and they would burn that on the altar. But everything else would be taken outside the camp and burned with fire because it symbolized our sin. So this was the offering for the priests for their sin. See, their sin had to be covered too before they could minister to the people and see their sin covered. So this would be the offering that would cover their sin and consecrate them so they could even bring them to a place where they'd be available to go into the tabernacle and serve the Lord. All the rest of that stuff would go outside the camp to symbolize that God had sent their sin away and that he no longer saw it when he saw them. Now, verse 15, we see we're going to get to the ram, and this is their burnt offering. You shall also take one ram, and Aaron and his sons shall put their hands upon the head of that ram, and you shall slay the ram, and you shall take his blood, and you shall sprinkle it round about upon the altar. And you shall cut the ram in pieces, and wash the inwards of him and his legs, and put them unto his pieces and unto his head, and you shall burn the whole ram upon the altar. It is a burnt offering unto the Lord. It is a sweet savor, an offering made by fire unto the Lord. So now that the sin problem is dealt with, now they bring the burnt offering of a ram. And they would do the same thing. They put their hand on it. And the symbolism there is that the ram is taking their place. Same thing with the bull. And then they would kill the animal and they took the blood and they would not dump it all over on the bottom and everything. They would just sprinkle it on top. And then they would take all the parts of them, every bit of them, and they would offer them upon the altar. And when we get to Leviticus chapter one and we learn about the burnt offering, we learn that it symbolizes absolute surrender to God. That's why everything is burned on the altar. Priest doesn't eat any. The offer doesn't eat any. Everything goes to God because it symbolized absolute surrender. And the priests are going to need to be absolutely yielded to God. And so as God deals with their sin first through the bull, now they're going to say, Lord, we're going to dedicate our lives to this service. Our whole life belongs to you. And it's going to be symbolized through this burnt offering. Okay. So 
When we get now to verse 19, we get to the final animal sacrifice, which is the second ram. So verse 19. And you shall take the other ram, and Aaron and his son shall put their hands upon the head of the ram. And then you shall kill the ram, and take of his blood, and put it upon the tip of the right ear of Aaron, and upon the tip of the right ear of his sons, and upon the thumb of their right hand, and upon the great toe of their right foot, and sprinkle the blood upon the altar round about. And you shall take of the blood that is upon the altar and of the anointing oil and then sprinkle it upon Aaron and upon his garments and upon his sons and upon the garments of his sons with him. And he shall be hallowed and his garments and his sons and his sons' garments with him. So here we see this third offering is now consecration for service. Their sin has been dealt with. They've surrendered their lives to the Lord. And the Lord says, now I'm going to set you apart for my use. So this is a lot of preparation has to go to get to the place. This is the place they want to be. So when the time comes and Moses comes down from the mountain and he goes through this ritual, this is what everything is working towards. They're going to take a bath to symbolize their cleansing. They're going to put all the garments on to symbolize the covering that they need for their sin. A sin offering to deal with their sin and send it out of the camp. A burnt offering to symbolize their complete surrender to God in service. And now this ram of consecration that God will set them apart to be used especially by him. We see that instead of being placed upon the altar, the blood is placed on the right ear, the right thumb, and the right big toe of Aaron and his sons. Now, that's kind of interesting. Give me your toe. I mean, I I don't know how that worked. You know, I don't know if he leaned down. I don't know. But there's symbolism there that's very interesting. The right ear would show that their ears were to be set apart to hear God's voice of instruction and the people's voice of supplication. That was the job of the priest. They were to go into that holy place and to pray and bring the needs of the people to God and say, God, what do you have to say to your people in response? And their ears would be set apart to hear from God. And then they would go out to the people and say, this is what the Lord says. And then their ears would be set apart to hear from the people. They were not to serve themselves. The idea was your ear was not to be there for other things. And Paul said it this way in the New Testament to a leader. He said, you're not to become entangled to the affairs of this life. They weren't supposed to when somebody came up with, you know, their little ram and say, hey, uh, John, how's the uh, stock market doing? You got any tips for me? Their ear was not to be bent that way. Their ear was to be bent to the needs of the people and to hear what God had to say to the people. Their thumb showed that their hands were set apart to serve God in the tabernacle and to be a true servant to the people. That they weren't there to serve themselves. They were there to serve the people. You know, Jesus said the same exact thing. He said the Son of Man didn't come to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. The job of any leader within any environment in the church is to serve people. These guys were not there to be served. You remember when Samuel came around and Eli was the high priest? Remember what was the big problem with Eli? He wasn't a bad, bad guy, but his sons were really bad. The people would come in and they'd bring their offering and they would cook it all for themselves. And the people were there to hang out with God, to have a meal with God and to have their family there and to have a, have a barbecue. And these guys would keep all the meat back for themselves. So nobody came to offer anything because they got, got cheated out of their time with God. Can you imagine that? And yet we see ministers do the same thing today. They suck people dry, begging for money all the time, and people don't want to come into the church. Things don't change. A servant of the Lord is to serve the people. That's why he's a servant. Well, the right big toe, it was to have his feet set apart to walk uprightly as a godly example before the people and before God. Those who are in leadership, this is a great message for us that we're to be an example to people. People should be able to look at my life and look at your life if you're a leader and say, that's what a Christian's supposed to be like. Doesn't mean we're perfect. Doesn't mean we don't fail. But we should be able to say like the Apostle Paul, follow me as I follow Christ. 
you know? We should be able to say, look at my marriage. Look at, I mean, look at the way I parent. Look at the way I live my life. And if someone can't do that, they probably shouldn't be a leader. After all of that mess of putting the blood on their right ear, the right thumb, and the right big toe, then it says they would take the blood that's already on the altar, and they would mix it with the anointing oil, the sweet-smelling stuff mixed with the, the blood. And then they would sprinkle it all upon Aaron and his garments. And, and the idea was is that those garments were being cleansed and set apart for God's use. They would not just be any old clothes. These would be special clothes that they would put on to serve the Lord. With all that out of the way, the Lord now explains in verse 22, and you shall take of the ram, the fat and the rump and the fat that covers the inwards and the call about the liver and the two kidneys and the fat that is upon them and the right shoulder for it is a ram of consecration. This will be the portion that the priest gets to eat. So everything else would burn on the altar and the idea is they're gonna hang out with God. Now that they've been consecrated for God's use, the very first thing they're gonna do is not serve the people. They're gonna hang out with the Lord and they're gonna eat a big old meal. Some of it's gonna burn on the altar and you'll smell it burning there and the idea is God's eating some and then they're gonna have a, a big huge dinner feast together and they're gonna just hang out with the Lord. It's interesting, when we get to Leviticus, we're going to see for seven days, they're going to send them into the tabernacle, close the door, and they're going to hang out with the Lord for seven days. That is what will prepare them to serve the people. That's interesting because I remember from a very young age, as a young pastor, I'd be exhorted time and time again, you can't take people where you haven't been. You need to spend time with the Lord first before you do anything else. If you are a leader or you teach a Bible study, don't ever let your Bible study replace your your time with the Lord. Always have that special time with him where you just sit at his feet and let him teach you and get to know him better and let him speak to your heart the things that he wants to do in your life. And that's for all of us in anything that we might serve. The way that we're going to be the best servants in what we do is if we're sitting at the feet of Jesus on a regular basis just with him, just for him not for anything we can get from him. I heard one pastor told me, he said, don't let the Bible become sermon fodder. Don't let it become sermon fodder. Let it become something that gets into your heart and you apply it to your life. So they're gonna feast on the meat, but then also here we find out where all the other offerings were for the, the bread offerings. And one loaf of bread and one cake of oiled bread and one wafer out of the basket of the unleavened bread that is before the Lord. And you shall put it all in the hands of Aaron and in the hands of his sons. And this is before they have the big feast and they eat it. You shall wave them for a wave offering before the Lord. They're gonna wave them back and forth and symbolize that, Lord, really, we should give it all to you because it all belongs to you. So Lord, we're receiving it back from you again when we partake of it. The truth is that all service that we give, even to others, is ultimately to the Lord, right? You know, David says something in Psalm 51 that seems so cold. He's murdered one of his best friends, slept with his wife, that's why he murdered him, and now he takes that woman to be his wife, and he covers it up. And then David, when he gets busted, he says, against thee and thee only have I sinned, O Lord. No, you didn't. (laughs) You killed a man, killed a woman's husband. There's a whole lot of things you've done, David. When he says that, he's not saying it in the sense that he didn't sin against people. What he's saying is that ultimately everything we do is really to the Lord. And he got that. And our service, even to others, is ultimately to God. So as they wave it before the Lord, saying, Lord, this is the portion you've given to us. Lord, really, everything we have belongs to you. And so we receive it back from you. Verse 25, and you shall receive them of their hands and burn them upon the altar for a burnt offering. That's the part that God will eat. For a sweet savor before the Lord is an offering made by fire unto the Lord. And then you should take the breast of the ram of Aaron's consecration and wave it for a wave offering before the Lord. And it shall be your part. So the best part goes to God. And then the shoulder and the breast go to Aaron and his sons to enjoy. 
Verse 27, and you shall sanctify the breast of the wave offering and the shoulder of the heave offering, which is waved and which is heaved up of the ram of the consecration, even of that which is for Aaron and of that which is for his sons. And this would become the portion that anytime someone would bring a peace offering just to hang out with the Lord, that would be their portion. So here's how this would work. Let's say you just wanted to come and you brought your family and you said, we just love the Lord. We want to hang out with him for a bit. And uh, you'd bring your animal and they would slaughter the animal and then they'd barbecue some on the altar. And then you'd kind of set up your table outside the tabernacle and they'd barbecue some for you and then you'd eat. And then the priest would come and he'd bring his portion. He'd sit down and he did with you and hang out with you. And there was this whole idea is we're all just fellowshipping with the Lord together. That's what is going on here, but in this sense, only for the priests. But it sets down that the priests here, this is how they would be provided for. This is how they would eat because they would have no inheritance, no employment, that this is how they would be provided for. The shoulder of Israel's peace offering is a symbol of their fellowship with God also showed how they were sharing with the priests. Verse 28. And it shall be Aaron's and his sons by a statute forever from the children of Israel. For it is a heave offering. The heave is it's held up high. It just means, Lord, this is really all yours, but you've given it to us and we thank you for it. And it shall be a heave offering from the children of Israel of the sacrifice of their peace offerings, even their heave offering unto the Lord. The holy garments of Aaron shall be his sons after him to be anointed therein and to be consecrated in them. So this ritual will be repeated by any of his descendants. So when you know, they had grandkids and, and those kids grew up and they got old enough to serve as priests. They would have to do the same thing. They would just be alone in the tabernacle with the Lord for seven days and go through this whole ritual to be consecrated as well. And it would repeat that way all the way down throughout Israel's history. Verse 30, and that son that is priest in his stead shall put them on seven days when he comes into the tabernacle of the congregation to minister in the holy place. Before he can ever start to serve, he's got to spend time with the Lord, got to go through this consecration, and then he can go in to serve. Verse 31, we get to the final part of their consecration. And you shall take the ram of the consecration and boil his flesh in the holy place. So this is that second ram. You're going to take the meat and you're going to see that the King James says it just means to boil. You're going to cook it there in the holy place. And Aaron and his son shall eat the flesh of the ram and the bread that is in the basket by the door of the tabernacle of the congregation. And they shall eat those things wherewith the atonement was made to consecrate and to sanctify them. But a stranger shall not eat thereof because they are holy. And if any of the flesh of the consecrations or of the bread remains until the morning, then you shall burn the remainder with fire. It shall not be eaten because it's holy. This is not just a regular meal. This is a meal with the Lord and therefore was not to be used for regular consumption. So if anything's left over after they have this time with the Lord of fellowship, it's to be burned with fire. And it mentions you're not to have a stranger. That would usually mean a foreigner, but here specifically it means no member of the congregation. So no one, if you're not a priest, it's almost like you're a foreigner in this case. You're so different. So they're so set apart. It's almost like they come from a different country. So he says, they shall not eat it because it's holy. It's just for their consecration. And that's neat because here we see all three animals represented in verse 33. The atonement, that was with the bull, right? The sin offering. That was to atone for their sins. Then we see to consecrate, to set them apart for total surrender. That referred to the burnt offering and then to sanctify them, to set them apart for service. That was the third ram of consecration. Well, now we get to verse 35. And thus shall you do unto Aaron and to his sons, according to all the things which I have commanded you, seven days shall you consecrate them, and you shall offer every day a bullock for a sin offering, for atonement, and you shall cleanse the altar. When you have made an atonement for it, and you shall anoint it to sanctify it. Seven days shall you make an atonement for the altar and sanctify it, and it shall be an altar most holy. 
whatsoever touches the altar shall be holy. So here we find that in those seven days, as the priests are hanging out with the Lord, every day they're going to bring a bull for a sin offering for atonement, but it's not for the priests, it's for the altar. Now that's interesting because you might think they would do that before they would consecrate the priests, but that's what all the blood and everything is for. It's, it's for the consecration for the priests. Now it's going to be consecrated for the people to be able to use it. So once the priests are consecrated, now for those seven days, the altar is going to be, notice it says cleansed. Because remember there was a sin offering placed upon it and other things placed upon it. And so now it's going to be cleansed. It's going to be purified from that sin and uncleanness. And an atonement shall be made for the actual altar so that the altar can be accepted by God. It just shows you, you this is where when people bring up this, I don't understand hell. And I'm like, have you ever read this stuff? How cleansed things had to be? I mean, we, we, we don't have any concept of sin. We think we do at times. And when we see sin that's really ugly, we go, yeah, that, I can see how God would judge that. But we don't understand just how evil sin is. But we get a better picture of it when you see just how clean and how many times it had to be cleansed just to be used. The smallest of things is an abomination before the Lord. In the book of Proverbs, it says, these six things I hate, yea, these seven are an abomination unto the Lord. And if you notice, it lists some things that we don't probably normally consider to be horrible things. One of those things is a lying tongue. Proud look. Gosh, (laughs) you hear that and you kind of think to yourself, how many times have I done that today? A proud look. That happened every time somebody was driving slow in front of me. Do you know what I mean? We don't fully understand the wages of sin and how sinful it is. It's one of the reasons God gave us the law is that we might see how exceedingly sinful sin is. And when you see how much everything had to be cleansed, how clean it had to be, how much it had to be purified before it was even used, it should kind of jolt us a little bit to see just how evil even the smallest of sins are and how great the sacrifice of Christ was. Notice it's the sacrifice which makes the altar holy and not the altar which makes the sacrifice holy. Jesus, of course, is our ultimate sacrifice far more holy than any altar that he could offer himself upon. God himself come in the flesh to be our sacrifice for sin, a perfect sinless lamb, one who did not deserve it, but did it for us. This great truth is for us today. Jesus is the spotless lamb of God that came to take the punishment for our sins and gave us his righteousness and freedom. When God looks at us, he doesn't see our sins condemning us to death. He sees Jesus' precious blood on us, giving us life, forever declaring that Jesus is the best priest, He is the best sacrifice, and He is the best and only way to God. We don't have to go through rituals and sacrifices to come before God. We come by faith through grace before God's throne, where we will find mercy in time of need. While we are in this time of a global pandemic, do not be afraid to call and ask for assistance or for prayer. Our office may be closed, but you can still reach us at Calvary Chapel Orlando at 407-523-0800 during our office hours Tuesday through Friday, 9 a.m. to 4 p.m. This has been In the Word with Pastor Will, a ministry of Calvary Chapel of Orlando. You can listen to all of Pastor Will's sermons and find other valuable resources online at www.calvarychapelorlando.com or on the Calvary Chapel Orlando app, available on iTunes and Google Play. Thank you for joining us today. We will see you next time as we continue to learn, walk, and live in the Word.